Section 5 of the English Restoration and Louis the Fourteenth by Osmond Airy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 3 The Parliamentary Fronde, Part 1. Number 1 Concessions of the Court. The first or parliamentary period of the Fronde possessed a certain title to respect amid the mob of interested officials turbulent nobles intriguing priests and clamorous bourgeois were to be found men who represented the highest type of citizen life whom neither anne of austria nor the mob of paris could terrify nor mazarin cajole and though violence folly selfishness and confusion marked its course and though all zeal for the welfare of the country was soon forgotten in the indulgence of an unreasoning hate of mazarin this movement had nevertheless the merit of attacking however interestedly and however inopportunely a taxation that had become ruinous and an administration of reckless waste for a while mazarin appears not to have recognized the gravity of the situation he was ignorant in a great degree of the constitution of the country and it was the intrigues in the court which appeared important to him and now at the very moment when the chamber of st louis had established its position as an imperium in imperio of the most threatening character he was occupied with the endeavours of the duke of longueville who had married the sister of conde to acquire the right to sit among the princes of the blood he was however soon awakened the thirty-two delegates were already busy in claiming the control of every branch of the administration with a just instinct they first fell upon the intendants by whose appointment richelieu had dealt so severe a blow to vested interests and local privileges they demanded the dismissal of these officers and the transference of their duties to the three thousand petty officials whom they had superseded they then asked for the remission of a quarter of the tie and of all arrears since sixteen forty seven the annulling of all contracts with the financiers regarding it and the strict appropriation of the supplies gained from it to the purposes of the war a chamber of justice was to be created to investigate the extortions of the farmers of the taxes the proposal that no tax should in future be levied unless previously voted by the parliament was doubtless prompted by the action of the long parliament in england as was also the claim that no one should be detained in prison for more than twenty-four hours without being brought to trial before his proper judges the trading classes demanded the abolition of all monopolies and abuses in the sale of necessaries and the protection of native industries no new offices were to be created without the consent of parliament and there should be no diminution of salaries all these demands of the chamber which were endorsed and presented by the parliament were in direct denial of the doctrine that to the crown alone belonged all legislative authority furious at the arrogance of the canaille anne of austria for a time refused to listen to these demands but mazarin now fully alive to the danger and especially to the precariousness of his own personal position induced her to temporize emery was dismissed the intendancies all but three were revoked 
a diminution of one-eighth of the tie was offered and the desired chamber of justice was decreed the late appointments which had caused so much jealousy were revoked the diminished salaries restored to the original sums and the paulette renewed the right of the parlement to verify financial edicts was acknowledged the queen in her own phrase threw roses at the parlement in return for these concessions the court demanded that the chamber of st louis should be dissolved and that the parlement should return to its purely judicial functions which had lately been much neglected the frondeur in reply pointed out the omission of any satisfactory mention of the point upon which they felt most strongly arbitrary arrest and they urged the summoning by the crown of a general assembly composed of the different chambers again mazarin had great difficulty in calming the queen who as he told her was valiant as a soldier who does not recognize danger and who was for immediate conflict he himself was looking eagerly abroad and was waiting only until his hands should be again strengthened by a striking military success number two beginning of revolution in the end of august great news arrived on the twentieth conde gained the victory of lens which well-nigh completed the ruin of the spanish military strength the opportunity was instantly seized while the te deum was being chanted for the victory broussel and blancmesnil two of the councillors who had been foremost in opposing the court were arrested by the queen's orders within an hour the people sedulously nursed for sedition by mazarin's opponents were in uproar they thronged the city threw up barricades and let down the chains which barred the narrow streets in an incredibly short time paris was an impassable camp and the whole city was in arms and now while the cry of vive le roi was shouted as loudly as ever was heard with it the watchword of the next five years point de mazarin number three the cardinal de retz during all the troubles that had now opened upon france no influence was more actively exerted for mischief than that of jean francois paul de gondi better known by his later title of cardinal de retz of italian birth he had risen by the favour of richelieu and by his own talents and craft until having taken orders he became after a youth of dissipation coadjutor to his uncle the aged archbishop of paris a duellist and a libertine with no spark of religious feeling and hating his profession he looked to it nevertheless to secure for him an eminent place in the turmoil of politics to increase the importance of his office he asserted and maintained his right of precedence even over the duke of orleans and insisted upon the fullest recognition of his ecclesiastical rank by the careful performance of all the outward duties of his place by a well-feigned humility by profuse almsgiving and by an ostentatious attention to the interests of the poor he secured among them a dangerous influence diminutive in stature and with signal disadvantages of person he possessed a charm of tongue with which it was as easy for him to sway the passions of the mob or the councils of the parliaments as to seduce women or entice men into conspiracy conspiracy indeed was the aim of his existence he is the unique example of a man of great and powerful mind 
deliberately setting before himself as the highest attainable object the position of a successful faction leader such a title he declared was the most honourable that he could find in plutarch's lives at the age of eighteen he had written a history of the conspiracy of jean-louis de fiesque in which are laid down all the rules of successful treason higher qualities were he declared needed to form a successful faction leader than to form a great emperor of the universe and catiline was a greater man than caesar for the career of his adoption he was admirably suited by the endowments of his italian birth he had the supple resoluteness the ready resource and the absolute unscrupulousness of his countrymen he was free from all personal ties other than that of a licentious but calculating attachment to one or two of the women whose names are notorious among the female leaders of the fronde of statesmanship he possessed no trace and the cause for which he fought so long as it was the cause of confusion was a matter of indifference to him his action was at present decided by an intense jealousy of mazarin and by the perception that in opposition to him could be found the fullest opportunity for the exercise of his powers but he valued good taste in treason as he valued it in art his natural feeling for the fitting in time and place had made him keep aloof from the important for whom as for many of his later associates he professed a hearty contempt now however he considered his time had come arrayed in his ecclesiastical vestments he went to the palais royal and urged upon the queen the release of bruxelles rather would i strangle him with my own hands was the passionate reply the royal guards were ordered out to disperse the crowd but they were stopped by the first barricades de retz accompanied them and endeavoured he says to soothe the tumult on his return to the court he was received by anne with bitter sarcasm vous avez bien travaillé monsieur allez-vous reposer the insult sank deep and henceforth he pursued a course of bitter enmity to the queen and mazarin for two days the mob remained under arms loss of life took place and the royal officers were insulted and attacked the parlement passed in a body through the seething streets to demand the release of the prisoners twice they were repelled with anger by anne on their third visit the president Molay informed the queen that if she did not give way he would not answer longer for the consequences at the entreaties of mazarin and orleans she at length consented to a compromise the parlement gave up its pretensions to interfere in state administration with some minor exceptions and in return bruxelles was set at liberty his entry on august twenty eighth was one long triumphal procession the people in a delirium of joy at their victory flung themselves at his feet and addressed him as their saviour and protector having offered his thanks at notre dame he was escorted to the grand chamber and there received the congratulations of the parlement the frenzy fit which had seized the people then passed off with the picturesque rapidity which had marked its beginning within a few hours the barricades had disappeared the mob had melted away and paris was in absolute repose it was as if a troubling dream had come suddenly to an end number four mazarin's measures the court leaves paris but mazarin was not deceived 
he foresaw further attacks and he resolved to be beforehand with his opponents on the very day after the return of Bruxelles, he drew up for the queen notes of the course of action to be pursued an agreement with de retz and the other leaders of the opposition must be ostentatiously concluded the court must then leave paris suspicion must be lulled until conde's return and a blow must then be struck which should at once restore the royal authority in the meantime the malcontents were to be divided by all possible means circumstances were favourable to this design to the whole trading class these troubles meant confusion and loss already the guilds had met the principal shopkeepers and had determined to meddle in nothing against the king's service the queen took pains to gain over the provost of the merchants the commander of the city militia and the captains of the quarters mazarin himself treated directly with many members of the parlement and was so successful that even Bruxelles and blancmesnil appeared at court this however served only to exasperate the younger members acting under the instigation of de retz they met privately and determined to attack mazarin personally by agitating for the revival of the edict of sixteen seventeen which proscribed all foreigners who interfered in the government of france mazarin now carried out his plan at six in the morning of september thirteenth the court left paris for rouel ten miles distant where it was joined by orleans conde and the duke of longueville this was followed by the dismissal of chateauneuf and the arrest of chavigny old rivals of mazarin who were caballing with the disaffected members of the parlement far from intimidating this blow served only to irritate that jealous body a deputation was sent to the queen to demand the release of chavigny the return of the court and the presence of the princes of the blood at the deliberations of the parlement these demands were angrily rejected Condé especially distinguished himself by the violence of his language the decrees of the parlement were annulled by the council and it was half decided to supplant that body by royal commissions the parlement on its side prepared for defensive war all business was discontinued the city was secured against a surprise and provisions were laid in for the expected siege number five mazarin and Condé everything in this contest is spasmodic except the will and the design of mazarin the uncertain temper of conde to whom all men looked as possessing the power of the sword had especially to be reckoned with it was well known that much as he despised the frondeur his hatred of mazarin was a still more powerful feeling he had hitherto passionately refused to join in harassing the crown but now de retz had little difficulty in persuading him to consent to a conference at which his jealousy of the cardinal should be gratified by the latter's exclusion mazarin did not care to contest the point whether the hatred against him was genuine may be doubted but there is no doubt as to the vehemence of its expression at this time no story of his crimes was too wild for credit he was a robber a traitor a gambler a usurer an atheist and a debauchee to sack and burn paris to ruin france for his own greed and to keep her at war with foreign nations that he might the better maintain himself and his usurped authority were represented to be the objects of his life the conference lasted ten days 
it resulted in the declaration of october twenty second sixteen forty eight in which the greater number of the claims made by the chamber of st louis were conceded but the root idea of the constitution that in the king's presence nothing could be refused or combated which he personally announced was preserved in the retention of the power to hold lit de justice while as to arbitrary arrests a verbal promise never intended to be kept was all that could be wrung from anne if i consent to such requests said the queen my son would be no better than the king of a pack of cards mazarin now devoted himself to again fixing the fickle humour of Condé. the task was not an easy one but the prince could not yet forget that he was of royal blood and he had the true caste contempt for the gens de chicaine of the parlement who pretended to tutor the king of france his own interests moreover had not yet been awakened against the court mazarin ever watchful and patient was therefore before long successful Condé yielded to the flatteries of the queen and to the assurances of the cardinal that the government should be conducted solely by his advice in december the compact was closed by the cession to Condé of the governments of stenay and four other important places bribery on a similar scale was equally successful with orleans End of section five